It's 12.08. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, Mr. Scafidi's producer, Jordan, he's really taking this Facebook Live stuff seriously. Yeah, he's not now, messing around. We, we, are, we are live streaming Facebook.com slash 620WTMJ, and we've started doing this for the last week or so, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of a little fun thing to do. The first couple segments of this show we put up on Facebook Live, so you can participate in that way as well. But last week, we had a listener who was also viewing it on Facebook Live and said, well, we, we can't, you're, you're looking off, the, the, the way we had the camera set up, it was to my right, and then we can't kind of see through you, you know, you're not looking at the screen. And I explained, well, I'm not looking at the screen because all the stuff is in front of me. Sure. So this has now become this ongoing, yesterday we had the camera in a full-on place looking directly at me, but we decided that... We being the royal we, I could care less. But, uh, the, the microphone was blocking my face. So now yeah. we have a different angle that, that gets the, the full face in. Yeah, so it's a beautiful it, shot. It, it, well, I, I can't see it. I, I can't see it. But again, you, you can check it out. It's facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. And again, we do play the parlor game. Did my wife dress me or did I dress myself? Actually, here, here's the indication. I'm, I'm wearing, I'm going to the Brewers game tonight. So I'm wearing this Brewers shirt. And actually, one of my colleagues, one of our colleagues came up and said, I really like that shirt. I almost bought it. And I said, well, Fran bought it for me, you know, so <laughs> I'm not sure. I would, it, exactly. I, at least at least I am very, very honest when it comes to that. No, she she dressed definitely dressed me today, although I, I do hold her responsible for something. This never happened to you. OK, last night she says, let's watch a movie. Now, by this time, it's like 1130 Ooh, at night. Okay. It, it's it's kind of late. And so we, we fire up Netflix and um, put on The Founder, which is the movie about Ray Kroc, the guy the who... The McDonald's movie. The McDonald's yeah. guy, right, with uh, Michael Keaton. And so we, we started up. Well, she's asleep in 15 minutes. I'm fascinated <laughs> by this movie. It's a great... Next thing I know, it's one fifteen or something in the morning, and I'm standing there watching this thing, and I, I'm saying, oh, this was like a great movie. She's dead asleep. Yeah. Let's watch a movie. Clonked out. And I'm... But it was a, it, it was just a fascinating movie. I highly recommend it. Yeah, right. yeah so check it out. I, I actually have a friend who owns a whole bunch of McDonald's, and I sent him a text this morning saying, oh, that's kind of fascinating. That's kind of how it works. And he said, yeah, that's kind of how it works, so... What can you say? All right. If you text me the word arrest, A-R-R-E-S-T, to 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, I will, this is again, we will send you a link to the story we're going to talk about right now, including the video. Also, coming up in this hour of the program, should we expand roads as we repair them? And a teacher is in trouble for making a mild Hitler joke. It's a fascinating story we'll talk about in about 15 or 20 minutes. But I want to start off, first of all, with this controversy out in Wauwatosa. Now, one of the things that if you will notice over the last couple years, but it's it's really picking up steam, is when there is a police encounter with somebody who happens to be black A lot of times the police are automatically assumed to be proceeding in a racist fashion, which brings us to a story of a contact between Wauwatosa police and an 18-year-old black man about 11.50 Sunday morning out in Wauwatosa, kind of by the Mayfair collection. Channel 4 had a report on this. Do we have, we have the audio? Let, let, let me, I'm going to go through the highlights of it, but let's. the audio is brief. Let me play the audio of the Channel 4 report on this. A traffic stop mistake in Wauwatosa. Dash cam video shows police officers handcuffed a black teenager after they received a report that he tried to rob a car. But it turned out he turned out to be the passenger's grandson. 
Officers pulled the car over just before noon Sunday. On your knees, put your hands up. They were flagged down by a man who reported the robbery, but officers quickly realized that was not the case. Is everything okay? Her grandson is African-American. The grandmother is white. In the video, you can hear the officer apologize. He also says the man who flagged him down is black. Oh, I apologize for that guy not knowing what he was talking about. But I'm, I'm sure he's I got have... two old white ladies in a car with a black kid and makes them assumption. Well, he was black as well, so I don't oh my know. God. <laughs> Well, then it's even worse. The teen was detained for six minutes. Police say the officers did remove their guns from their holsters, but never pointed them at the teen. So, I don't know if anybody told you at all about what what happened. Did anybody say anything? All right. I told was misunderstanding based on somebody's perception the officers could not find the man who made the original report to get a formal statement on why he flagged the officers down. Okay, so let's review the bidding. Here's what happens. It's a little before noon on Sunday. Two Wauwatosa police officers out on patrol. Again, they're kind of by the Mayfair collection area. A guy flags down the police and says that this car was just robbed. Somebody just, just took the car, and like it's a carjacking or something like this. Flags him down. So the police respond. They pull the car over, and you can see this from the dashboard camera. There's two women in the front seat, and then there's a young black male in the back. The police pull the car over, and the car pulls over. The police are are in their vehicle, and over like the loudspeaker, they're instructing the person in the back, exit the car, get out of the car, put your hands up, they then go out. They have their guns drawn. They're not pointed at them, but they're, they think they're investigating a carjacking. And they, they get the kid. They get it's 18 years old, as it turns out, and, and they move him into the, the squad car. They say, put your hands on their back, get on your knees, etc. So they're doing this investigation. Then they go up to the car once they have the thing secured, and they start talking to the two women who happen to be white who are in the, the front seat. And the women are saying, what's going on here? This is our grandson. And the police officer is asking, okay, is there anything, is there any problem here? Or is everything okay? Um, they say, no, this is our grandson. And you can hear the police officers explaining why they did what they did. Somebody flagged us down, said this car, thought that you were being abducted, whatever. That's why we did this. The whole incident takes uh, about five or six minutes. And then they apologize to the women. Uh, they say, well, look, we were... We were, this is what we were told. We, we were told that this was a carjacking. We thought this might be, and I, I'm presuming they're thinking it's a hostage situation or something like that. They verify that this is the grandson of one of the, the ladies. Apparently, both of the ladies, they might have heard some conversation like this. Both of the ladies are white. The, the, the young man is black. Um, in any event, the, the whole thing takes probably less than 10 minutes, and they go on their way. Well, okay, the headline in the story, Black Grandson grandson Mistaken for Robber in Wauwatosa. I I don't know, you know, why it's necessary to put the racial component in this other than people want to see it. But let's tee this up. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Under these circumstances, do you think the Wauwatosa police mishandled this situation? 
two officers on patrol. They are flagged down by somebody who points at this car and essentially says, I think this is a car stolen. I think there's been an abduction. They pull the car over. They get the person in the back out. They handcuff him, detain him, and then, you know, ultimately they conduct the investigation. They let him go. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you believe there's a racial component to this? Did the Wauwatosa police do anything wrong? And according to the Wauwatosa police officer, the guy who flagged them down, who they can't find now, the guy who first reported this, he is African-American as well. All right, let's start with Derek and Brown Deer. Derek, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I think the uh, officers, uh, well, before I, I jump on their bandwagon, let me just explain some things. You do not see an 18-year-old kid anywhere in this city with an older white woman in a car. That's just not something that's typical to happen. So if a, if someone flags somebody down, and, and it, I'm, I'm assuming that this probably was an older African-American man that flagged the cop down and thought this black kid was an older white woman, well, he's totally uh, uh, justified for doing it because, number one, that's what you have out here, stealing cars, driving through these streets like idiots, these young 17, 18, to 20-year-old black uh, kids doing this kind of thing. So, I mean, for him to uh, do that, I mean, he, he didn't know no better. I mean, I would have did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm a black man. If I see a, a black 18-year-old kid in a, in a car with a white woman, an uh, uh, older white woman, who doesn't look like uh, uh, they, they're affiliated, well, you're not going to know if they're affiliated or not, because that's just something that don't you don't see. Okay, let's talk and about the just, let's talk about the police. So the, the police, guy flags the him police, down. Did the cops do anything well, wrong? No, but one, the police had to do that, and, and I'm for them for doing that because any of these young kids out here stealing cars from people, period, is wrong because they they they, they they're taking uh, hmm. everybody's lives the way they're out here driving. Okay, thanks for calling. I, again, I I mean, again, I don't know, I, I don't know what the, the racial component was. I, I I don't think the report was, gee, we we saw this this black guy to just hijack this car. I think it was more like, hey, we, 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 I don't know what the motivation was of the man who reported this to the police. I don't know what his motivation was, and, and they can't find him. I guess I just want to focus on the reaction of the police. You're, you're told that, gee, it looks like it might be a hostage situation. We think somebody just stole the, this car. Did they overreact in how they handled it? 414-799-1620. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. Again, I'll, I'll tell you, obviously, where I come down on this as well. We are um, on Facebook Live. So if you go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, we're live streaming the segment. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. It's 1219 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1221 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, the guy hung up. I was one of the call I was going to take is we had a caller on the line who wanted to say this is clearly a racist situation. There's no way that the police should have drawn their guns. To which I, I, I was going to say, well, what do you mean they shouldn't have drawn their guns? Put yourself in the position of these two Wauwatosa police officers. You are flagged down by somebody who says, I, I think I just witnessed essentially a carjacking. I'm paraphrasing this. Guy in the back seat of that car, I think he stole, I think he's stolen the car. So you think you might have a carjacking, you think you might have potentially a, a hostage situation or whatever. The police pull the car over, they demand the guy get out of the back. Of course, they're going to get out, I think, of course they're going to get out of their vehicle with their guns drawn. Now they actually didn't point the guns at him, but they're, they've got him out in case this guy pulls out a gun and starts shooting at him. This is just, I mean, it seems to me the way the Wauwatosa police handled this 
was just completely and totally according to Hoyle. Now, it, it was a mistake. The information they got was bad, but at the same time, what are they supposed to do? Somebody says, hey, I think there's been a carjacking. I think there's a hostage situation here. What are they supposed to do? Let the car drive off? 414-799-1620. Yvonne in Milwaukee, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. Well, I'm an African-American mother of a son, a grown son. Uh, His grandfather was a retired police officer Mm -hmm. with uh, a detective with Milwaukee. And whatever, and I do have to commend the Wauwatosa police. Maybe, it is, I don't know, there can be an argument about pulling a gun, but like you said, um, if you're thinking it's a carjack, but I have to commend them the way they handled it. They asked the questions first. Right. And, and, and whatever. So I just commend something that could have gone horribly wrong. Right. And whatever. And... So I, I really can't argue that point. My son has had two times, one with Brookfield. They pulled him over thinking his tent was too dark. And, of course, his granddad, who tended the car and knew the, as a police officer, right. knew what tent should be, right. went out, <clears throat> threw his badge on the, on the table. And, of course, the judge dismissed it. He said, well, this man knows whether right. his tent's legal or not. And then the other time he had pulled his car over because all the lights had gone on at night on the expressway and he was waiting on AAA and the police officers were very nice. They, they came up behind and asked what the problem was and asked him if he wanted to sit in the car in the warm car with them until AAA came. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, I have to commend them in this case sure. for it not becoming volatile. Well, right. And, and I, I'm I trying to imagine, and Yvonne, I mean, I'm trying to imagine a situation. Okay, your 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 husband was a police officer himself. I, I, yeah. you know, regardless, you know, white, black, brown, green, whatever. Police officer gets a report that it might be a hostage situation. My my guess is that your your husband is, is going to do pretty much the same thing these officers did. Let's get yeah. the situation under control. Let's protect ourselves. We don't want this to turn into something worse. And then once you find out that it is what it is, which is not a carjacking, you send every, you apologize and you send everybody on their way. That's how you should handle and, this stuff. The wonderful thing, I heard them apologizing. And so I just thought to myself, you know, let's not jump the gun all the time. Right. Let's not call everything a racist type of thing. I think it was, and and who knows? I don't know what the person who called in thought he saw or saw or didn't see or whatever. I can't vouch for that because nobody has film right. to tell us what happened there. But I have to disagree with the guy who was talking about every 18-year-old is <laughs> right. a black boy after a because I've got grandnephews who don't do that. I'm right. sorry. No, no thanks for calling. Right. 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 right, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't. I, I don't know what the guy saw, and, and I mean, I I don't know, you know, what what prompted him to say this. All I know, and, and if we want to criticize that man for overreacting or whatever, and what he told the police, that's one thing. But I mean, we do know how the police handled this, and like I say, I just I don't see this as a racial incident. I think the police handled this perfectly appropriate. Let's do it. Yes, was there? Get out of the car. Put your hands up. Let's separate the situation. Let's get it under control, and then let's find out what we have. And then when it turns out that you, you don't have 
a carjacking, you don't have a hostage situation, whatever, then you just send everybody on their way. Let's talk to Ben in Whitewater. Ben, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi. hi, Ben. Hi, Charlie. Um, two points. One, people want to make make situations sometimes and create turmoil. Right. I think this may have been one of those situations. Everybody else kind of hit the points already. So the, the police handled this very well. Um, I just want to say one thing about the teenager, actually. Uh, he's a role model. Yep. He listened to the cops. He complied. He, he followed their instructions. And nothing happened. Yep. Five minutes, they were out of there. There was no incident. Uh, other people should should just follow that example. The cops aren't out there to shoot people. They're not out there to make problems. They just want to do their job and go home like everybody else. Yeah, Ben, thank, I, I'm so glad you made that point because that was one of the other things that, that, that struck me. And I, I, always, I always say this. A lot of the problems that happen in police-citizen interactions is because the, the citizen, for whatever reason, decides that they're not going to comply with the police. And, and that always escalates the thing. Now, look, police make mistakes. But if you go along and you do what they say, those mistakes can always be rectified. All right, if it's a wrongful arrest, you, you can sue. You can do what whatever. The problem becomes when you decide to resist or you don't comply with the police, you automatically then ratchet up what happens. You, you start to, and, and this young man didn't, but you, you start to run or you start to reach into your pockets like you're pulling something or, or whatever. That then ratchets up the situation. In this particular case, the information the police had was incorrect, given to them by the passerby. All right, that, that's fine. But they're just doing their job. They're trying to verify this. And you are exactly right, Ben. You have the young man who they told him to get out of the car. He got out of the car. They told him to raise his hands. He raised his hands. They told him to get down on his knees. He did. And they moved him into the back of the squad car. And then they they investigated. All right. They asked the questions of the people in the front seat. They said, no, there's nothing going on here. This is my grandson, etc." They let the kid go immediately. And then everybody went on their way. Because this wasn't a situation where anybody, cooler heads prevailed all across the way. It's not like the young man got out and started, again, running or something like that. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. And as a result, everybody is safe. Everybody is on their way. 1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thanks for participating in Facebook Live. We'll do this again at the start of the program tomorrow. Lots more stuff coming up in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Gru, who's producing the show today and always. Were you an ace at calculus? No. Did you ever t- even take calculus? You did. Okay. I, it just, I, I mean, okay. Um, like, there, there's different types of, of math. Like, geometry, it, it's the study of, of shape. Algebra is the study of arithmetic operations. All right. Calculus is, I mean, they, they call it the mathematical study of continuous change. That That's what they call it. But it's, it's just, it was way above me. Freshman year in college, I, I, first semester, I got by. I didn't understand necessarily what was going on, but I worked really hard, and I memorized problems and stuff. So I actually did pretty well because I, I'd see the problems, and I'd remember them, and I, I'd know what the answers were. But I really didn't know how you got to the answers, I, I guess. I mean, I just... 
hard work allowed me to to get stuff right, but I really didn't understand the fundamentals. And then I got greedy and I got burned. <laughs> There's just no doubt about it. Because by the time you got to advanced calculus, you had to understand really the, what was going on, and, and I just didn't. I, I still remember opening up that report card, those grades, when they came out after my freshman year. And, I, I, and this is the first and only time it happened to me in my academic career. I looked at the hours taken and then I wanted to make sure that it matched the credits received. <laughs> Six A's and a D, and the D was a gift. I, I I can't can't complain at all that the D the D in fact was a gift. But I mean, calculus. You know, we we all have our limitations, and calculus was one for me. Now I bring this up because the story I'm going to tell you about involves a guy who is or was a calculus teacher. Um, he teaches at at a Quaker school in New York called. Friends Cemetery, uh, cemetery. Friends Seminary. Now, you you might ha- have heard about these schools because, for example, lots of the, the president's kids in Washington D.C. go to like Quaker Friends School in, in Washington D.C. There's a series of these. They are they are very very expensive, like to the tune of like forty five fifty grand a year. Private schools taught by you know. Uh, and and it's again they're very they're very liberal schools um in keeping with kind of the uh, Quaker tradition and lots and lots of very wealthy or prominent people send their kids to like these Quaker friend schools that are predominantly across the east coast uh, to get the, the ultimate liberal arts education so here is the story the guy's name is Ben Frisch and he has been a teacher at this particular school for the better part of 30 years. He is a math teacher, and he's teaching a pre-calculus course to, again, these advanced um, the, these advanced high school kids. The, let me give you a little bit about this man's background. Like I say, he's been teaching there for 30 years, and former students describe him as eccentric, nerdy, prone to lengthy classroom digressions about his stamp collection, dinosaurs, or childhood snow days spent sledding. Okay, so the, the guy is is quirky. Again, I, and I don't mean to generalize and offend any teachers, but this is he's kind of like he might be the stereotypical type of thing. If you picture somebody who spent their entire career, you know, teaching advanced math concepts at a at a private school, Tony private school like this. He, he he talks about dinosaurs. He talks about his stamp collection and things like that. All right. Now, Gru, who again is producing the show today and always, do you have you ever are you a Mel Brooks fan? You ever seen any Mel Brooks movies? You haven't seen Mel Brooks movies. I mean Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein. One of Mel Brooks's first movies that really took off was a movie called The Producers. It had Zero Mustel in it, um among others and it was a, a spoof and, it, and of course it's been made into a, a stage play that was very very big a few years ago and, and the thing was you had these two producers who were trying to produce a broadway flop and so they because they got all these people that invested their money they were going to pocket the money because the show was going to go belly up so they wouldn't have to pay anybody back but they'd keep all the money themselves and the show, they were trying to figure out how to make the worst show possible. And they came up with the idea, let's do a musical called Springtime for Hitler. All right? 
And I mean, the idea is we're going to offend everybody. And if you've seen the movie, uh, the late Dick Sean was the actor and he played the, the, the Hitler character and just completely and totally over the top and that sort of thing. And, and it was, it was a spoof. You know, Mel Brooks, the whole thing was satire. All right. Very successful movie. Like I say, very successful play, but they're, 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 they're mocking Hitler, but you know, uh, people, didn't understand that. At least some people in the audience didn't understand that. Then they ultimately ended up getting into the joke. All right. So here you have this Ben Frisch, who is this, as other students, as the former students describe him, kind of nerdy pre-calculus teacher. And he's in, he's in, he's addressing this class. And the subject of the class that day is calculating the the angles of depression and elevation. You know, calculus is a study of change. So he, he's trying to explain what the lesson plan is going to be. So let me read you the way it's described in the New York Times. Ben Frisch opened his February 14th pre-calculus class at Friends Seminary the same way he opened all his classes over the course of his 34 years, the gentle ringing of a chime and a long moment of silence. He then introduced the day's lesson involving the calculating of angles of depression and elevation. It's calculus. Frisch straightened out his right arm to demonstrate. So he's trying to show angles. He lowered it down and then he raised it up, glancing at his arm, now fully extended and pointing slightly upward. All right. So let, let's let's all do this together. This is your exercise for today. All right. You know, you, you take your arm, you straighten it out. He's demonstrating this to the class because they're talking about angles. He lowers the right arm down and then he raises his right arm up. Come on, group. Play around. Let's go. We, we're, we're exercising here. All right. So he's got his right arm up. Glancing at his right arm, now fully extended and pointing slightly upward. Frisch realized something. He was inadvertently pantomiming the Nazi salute. Frisch is a practicing Quaker, but his father was Jewish, and two of his great-grandmothers were killed at Auschwitz. Mortified, he searched for some way to diffuse the awkwardness of the moment. And then he said it. Heil Hitler. A few students gasped. This is the way the New York Times reports it. Others exchanged surprised looks or laughed nervously, instantly aware that his stab at Mel Brooks-style parody had not landed. Frisch lowered his arm and tried to explain himself, telling his students that it used to be common to make fun of Nazis. Only recently, he said, had such jokes become taboo. He resumed his lesson, and the weird moment seemed to be over. Okay, so you've got the, the, you can all picture exactly what has happened here. All right, he thinks it's all over. He explains what's going on, moves on, he teaches the lesson. All right, well, here is, as they would say, the rest of the story. News of the incident spread quickly. A student mentioned it to Friends Director of Diversity and Inclusion, Jason Craig Harris, who in turn told the Dean of Co Curricular Programs, Lightsoul Shane. The following day, Shane called the school's principal, Bo Louder, catching him on a plane to visit a sick relative in Alabama. Louder decided that Frisch 
should stay home until the school figured out what to do. Over the following days, Lauder heard from dozens of parents. Many expressed support for a teacher they considered a pillar of the Friends community. Others said they thought the Heil-Hitler gesture was inexcusable, a few going so far to say that if Lauder did not take action, they would withdraw their children from the school. At a meeting with administrators about the incident in late February, members of the high school's parents' association said that keeping the teacher would send the message that the school did not take anti-Semitism seriously. All right. And then it, it, we're off to the races. School board meets, etc., etc. Ultimately, they make the decision they are going to fire this teacher for this incident. He then sues, and as it stands right now, I, I won't bury the lead, um, this is the, the matter was argued in front of an arbitrator. We don't have a decision on this yet. But, but this, this is it. This is what he was fired for. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is this somebody who was promoting anti-Semitism? Is this something that should get you fired, or is this political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Awkward moment in front of the class by, like I say, the teachers describe this guy sort of as a, as a kind of a nerdy guy who talks about a stamp collection and things like that. He's making this demonstration. It ends up being the, the Hitler salute. It's awkward. He tries to make a joke. Heil Hitler, it doesn't go over. He explains what he was trying to do, and then they move on. He has now been fired. Is this an overreaction, or in today's day and age, is this just unconscionable? 414-799-1620, does it make any difference that the guy's father is Jewish and that two of his relatives died in a Nazi concentration camp? 414-799-1620, where do you come down on this? I will share my opinion, and we'll discuss in just a moment. 1240 HF Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1251, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Joe in Oshkosh. Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. All right, political correctness run amok, or he made a joke about Hitler. How could he possibly continue to be in the classroom? Geez, I'm almost afraid to answer because I might offend somebody here. This is political correctness gone awry. Does this school give out participation awards or do they give out grades? I'm curious. Well, probably participation awards. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I think don't you have to sort of look at intent here? I mean, if he was making jokes about the Holocaust, I, I get it, but this is kind of some awkward moment that the math teacher, you know, found himself in and he, he tried to he tried to be funny and it didn't work, but I mean anti Semitism for goodness sakes. Well and you mentioned that he'd been a teacher there for quite a long time. Thirty five years, yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't have a track record of this, otherwise he would have been gone a long time ago. So Give the guy a pass. I, I, let's let's all learn how to take a joke. Well, so thanks for calling. Yeah, see, I don't. Right, I don't even know. And this is, uh, maybe you'll disagree with me on this. I I don't even know that this rises to the level of of half the, giving the guy a pass. I mean, this is all right. You you are, and maybe I'm sensitive to this because you're talking to somebody who makes his living sitting in front of an open microphone for three hours a day w- without a, a script. And so, I mean, here, it's the same sort of thing. This is a guy who is in a classroom 
in front of groups of students for Lord knows how many hours a day, five days a week for, in this case, 34 years. And so you're doing stuff that's spontaneous. You're trying to be engaging. And I'm sure he finds himself, he's, he's demonstrating these angles. He finds his you know hand raised in what is the Nazi salute. And he, he's trying to make fun of it. He's trying to be funny. Now, obviously, I guess the joke falls flat, but it's not like he's trying to I don't know, promote anti-Semitism or whatever. He's trying to sort of be self-mocking. And we have completely and totally lost the ability to, I, I think, have any sort of sense of perspective at all in this. I don't really know that any of the, the snowflakes in the class, some of the people that complained, were they really offended by this? But at some point in time, you would think the administrators would say, well, tell me how all this happened. Oh, he was trying to demonstrate angles, and he got his hand raised in this particular position, and he made some sort of awkward joke to kind of get out of it. Well, it was an awkward joke. We all make awkward jokes from time to time, and it doesn't cost us our jobs. Dave in Oconomowoc. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Dave. I would agree with the last caller that this is a, an egregious example of political correctness run amok. Um, you know, if we look at this guy's biology, he is Jewish. I mean, if his yeah. lineage comes from someone who is Jewish, he is Jewish. Maybe not a practicing Jew, but I think Hitler was not selecting people who believed in the Jewish faith. He was selecting people who were genetically Jewish. So I think this is just completely ludicrous. Well, well right. He's, yeah, yeah, he's he's clearly he's clearly not trying to endorse Hitler or minimize the Holocaust or anything like that. I think he's he's more likely channeling Mel Brooks when he finds himself inadvertently in this sort of funny position and he's trying to be self-deprecating and mocking it. And and, and we we just don't have a sense of humor about any stuff anymore. Yeah, and we tell bad jokes a lot that are probably more offensive than that on purpose. This guy, he's just talking, he's trying to get out of it. You know? Well, right, exactly. Thanks, I mean, I get, and I, and and again. It's what's so interesting to me is it's not like this is somebody who dwells on this type of stuff. It's clearly it is a spontaneous thing that has happened. He and then he even recognizing that okay, this is a joke that's fallen flat. He then kind of explains this is what happened, and he goes on. and And I think it's so interesting that we we just can't go on with stuff anymore. That you have a couple of the students in the class who have to run to the administrators who have to say, "Oh, guys, this is what Mr. Frisch did. Can you imagine this?" And then the administrators, we got to get a guy off the plane to talk about what this incredible outrage is. And at the end of the day, it I, I would say it is much ado about nothing. But that is to give nothing too much credit. Um, here's a text, Jeff. We live in a very sad time when no matter what you say or do is going to offend someone. <coughs> Everybody is better off by just not saying anything. It really kind of has gotten to that point. You know, we, we were, I, the, the whole reference was the Mel Brooks parody and the springtime for Hitler thing. I mean, you think about some of the Mel Brooks movies, Blazing Saddles. Think about Blazing Saddles, you know, Alex Karras and all those, those things. A lot of people think it's one of the greatest comedies ever made. You could not make that movie today because people would be offended. Now, the point of the whole Mel Brooks thing was to offend people. It was a parody. It was a satire on all these different kind of prejudices that were out there. But, you know, you would have had 
ranging from like the gay lesbian community to minority groups to I don't neo Nazis where everybody would have been offended by this and, and that's what Brooks was trying to do. It was trying to be satire. Now I'm not saying that what this guy did in the classroom rises to the level of blazing saples or anything like that, but it was okay, it was a spontaneous thing in the context of a presentation. <sighs> Wagner's rule of life number one is that life is tough, get a helmet. It's something I've been talking about for 20-plus years here at WTMJ, and it continues to be true. If you are going to be offended by this, you really need to bubble wrap yourself as you go out and about in the world. Better yet, bubble wrap yourself and don't ever leave your living room because something's going to be out there that is going to offend you. Again, I don't know how this is all going to play out. It's in front of an arbitrator. If there is any sense of justice at all, he will get his job back. And if that means some of the snowflake parents decide that, gee, this school is soft on anti-Semitism and they're going to pull their kids out, well, then so be it. They're going to pull their kids out. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, if they build it, should they build it bigger? Stick around. It's 110. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, I am a dinosaur who is being forced out of the tar pit. All right. Now, do you ever do you ever buy tickets to like concerts or sporting events, order things over the Internet? Sure. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Airline tickets as well. Yep. You ever do that? OK. Yep. Now, it, it the, the way things have evolved is let, let's talk about airline tickets for okay. a minute. It, it used to be back in the day. Where if you want an airline ticket, you, you, you go to a travel agent, and the travel agent would, would actually give you this this hard copy of a, of a ticket. Yeah. You remember those? Yeah, and then, yeah. So then you, you'd, you'd have to, and if you were traveling, you would have to physically have somebody, you'd have to stop by the travel agent, mm-hmm. you would have to pick these up, you know, so you had to have the hard copy of the ticket. Well, well, then it, it evolved after Al Gore invented the Internet and people became more comfortable using the Internet. What would happen is... You could you could buy your tickets. For example, you could go to Southwest's website and you could buy the ticket. You know, you could you could do it yourself. You could say, okay, I want to go to Fort Myers, Florida, or whatever, and you could put in the dates and you could price it out and you could mm-hmm. get it and yep, you could yep. and you could and you still can. You could print out your your ticket. Yes. All right. Now I go to a lot of I, I go to I don't know a lot, but I go to concerts and things like that and. It's the same sort of of thing. Um, at least it has been. You could go to Ticketmaster, and you could say, "Okay, I want to go to the Jimmy Buffett concert in Las Vegas on a Saturday night in the middle of October." And you you could you know buy the tickets, and then you could get this option where you could you could either pick up the hard copy of the ticket, like at the will call. Who wants to do that? Or you could download in this PDF form. You could download the ticket. You could print it out. So you actually. You still have a hard copy. It's not the original ticket, but you've got something with a barcode on it. Mm-hmm. You sure. can show up, right? Yep. Okay. More and more venues. Did you realize this are doing away with that? And for example, Pfizer Forum does not have that that print at home option. They want you to use your phone. You have to. You you right. You have to use your phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. Now I assume they still have hard copies of ticket. You. I mean, I assume that. That there's either the physical, like I'm, I haven't got my Marquette tickets for this year, but I assume like before I'm going to get a booklet with the different hard copies of the tickets. But you don't have the option. For example, for the concert last night, 
you don't have the option of buying the tickets over the Internet, printing up a PDF version, and bringing it. It had to be on your phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're nodding. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. This, and the, the Packers doing something well, like that as well this year. You know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, and this is where I was kind of going with this, I was, um, my wife and I went to a, a football game last year. The one, it was one where they played the Baltimore Ravens and they lost and it was just, it was a miserable game. I want to give her a chance to see another game. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm looking at, uh, it's like a Sunday noon game in the middle of November, Miami. I want to say it's November 11th or whatever, but I, I was looking at, at different tickets. And so I was on like Ticketmaster and stuff and all of them are, are the e-ticket not printed home. Mm-hmm. You have to download it to your, your phone. Does that scare you? It does a little bit. I, I mean, I, I've just, I, and I understand again. This is the the dinosaur in me. I mean, I I, I fly quite well. I fly occasionally, and I still I, I see the people that are in the line, you know, pulling the stuff up on the phone, and they yep. just hold it up. I also see the people who can't figure out how to do that who end up <laughs> holding up the line. But but I have I've never done that, and I mean I, I've always. I mean, I, I've ordered them over the internet. I've gotten the PDF thing. I, I've printed them at home, so I leave with the hard copy there. But Pfizer form, you can't do it. Lambo Field, you can't do it. You could argue it's very safe because so I've done that getting on a plane, and you can put it in your little virtual wallet on your phone, which you can't open unless you have a thumbprint, and you're the only one that can open it with your thumbprint. So you're the only one that can use that ticket. It protects that ticket from being taken by somebody else. Right. And it also, right. It also, I think, minimizes the, the argument is it minimizes fraud because, sure, yeah. uh, right. you know, people could, you know, duplicate. You, you printed that hard copy. Somebody could run a photocopy of it and then then they're set. Yep. Now, at the same time, it, it also saves money. Let, let's be honest. That's why they're doing it. It's, it's, <laughs> no, a, you're right, you're it's right. a cheaper form of delivery. Absolutely. But, but I, I the, the reason I've, I no, and I haven't done that. And I understand maybe that makes me sound like this hopeless dinosaur. But I will give you this example, and then we're going to open up the phone lines on this. So I, I'm in Canton, Ohio, with my, my buddy for the Jerry Kramer thing. And I, I told this story before. And my cell phone battery goes nuts and dies. I mean, the, I mean the, the, the cell phone, I, I'm just watching it. It's fully charged, and the battery, it just it runs down. It, it's gone. It's dead. Now, you know, you could plug it in. And it comes back, but it won't hold a charge at mm. all. And I am sitting there thinking, you know, if, if I had, and again, I, we'd, we'd flown to Cleveland and then drove. So, I mean, I, I've got the, the thing that I, I printed out. So I've got my ticket. I'm thinking, seriously, if I've got this thing on my phone, my phone is now dead. Um, if, if it was on there, I don't know what exactly I do. I'm kind of. Well, what's the word? Screw. That's what I am. <laughs> you know? So well, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I don't maybe. know. You 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 have no hesitation. You you well, have no hesitation with no, that at all. No, I think I did maybe the first time, but once you do it a couple of times, you kind of get more into the the right. rhythm of it. Especially flying. I love being able to keep my boarding pass on my phone. Right. Oh, it's so much easier. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to carry it anywhere. I don't have to get it lost in my pocket or wadded up somewhere. It's just in my phone. Well, if and the truth is, if you're doing what I was looking to do, like buy Packers tickets in the secondary market, you, you don't have a choice. I mean, they're, they're yeah. I mean, if if you're going to StubHub or something like that to buy those tickets, that that it's it's the e-ticket not printed home. You have to have yep. it on your phone. Yep. If you were going to the Killers concert at Fiserv last night, and again you it, and you had it, I don't even know if there were physical tickets, but but if you wanted to get the electronic ticket. You, you couldn't print it out. It was on your phone, period. Mm-hmm. All right. 414-799-1620.
That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This this is the new technological wave. There, there's no question about it. And I, it it just it hit me that if I want to continue going to these things, which I intend to do, that you're just going to have to do it. But um, is is there a a reluctance to put all this on your phone? And if you say, "Well, I don't have a phone," well, I think you're out of luck. I, I mean, that's that's just the way that's just the way this is going. Do you have a hesitation doing this? Are there problems with it? Or is this just, I mean, there is that convenience factor. You carry your phone all the time. You've got, you've downloaded the app, presumably just push that button. You hold it up and your ticket is there. At the same time, I admit I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it. Could I figure out how to do it? Yes, I I can. Will I? Yes, I can. But then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm in Canton, Ohio. My phone is now dead. And, you know, what, if I need those tickets, I don't know how I would get access to them. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Are we moving too fast, too quickly in this direction? Drew is lining up the calls. We discuss in just a moment. It's 117. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 120. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One of the things at the Pfizer Forum is that, that there's no longer an option to purchase tickets electronically and then print them up you you have to have them on your phone same thing is true lambo field if you're buying tickets for example through Ticketmaster or stubhub or something like that that you you no longer get the hard copies of the tickets or the option to download your tickets and print them at home it has to be on your phone how do you feel about that 414-799-1620 let's start with mike in oak creek mike you're on wtmj hello yeah, hi. Um, I, I've been in touch with the box office on this. I have a, have a flip phone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, and my, but my daughter has a, a, a smartphone, and we were talking about it. We buy tickets as gifts for Christmas and for birthdays for right. grandchildren and, and nieces and nephews. And if you buy it through, let's just say, through a smartphone, you can't. Uh, uh, you can only send it via download uh, uh, if you want it. And what we normally do is we put them in Christmas cards and we put them in uh, in, uh, right. in birthday cards and now we won't be able to do that but bucks will print them if you if you go down depending on where you live down to the uh, to the office down there uh, the box office um, so it's you know to me that's a problem also like you said I can't get to the secondary market I used to go to 10 or 12 bucks games with my grandparents or grandsons um, I'm a retiree uh, so I don't need a smartphone with all the bells and whistles right. and as we look at tickets uh, uh, Ticketmaster.com, the, the, the tickets are more expensive. Um, right. But plus, it's all it's all even. No, thanks for Now, my understanding, and again, I, I quickly get beyond my depth on this. My understanding is that if you've you, you, you purchase the tickets, you've got the e-ticket, my understanding is you can transfer them to, to somebody else's e-ticket account. So if, for example, I've got a ticket to a concert and I can't make it, I, and I want to give the ticket to Gru, I can transfer, the, I can send it, and it it then leaves my account and goes into his, so I can't get it, it back. But he has to have a smartphone. I mean, that, that is the that is the key. If you were um, my, my my brother-in-law, Dave, Dave, love you, he's still got a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, he's got a flip phone. I, I If you don't have the smartphone, I don't think this technology works. 414-799-1620. Cindy in Grafton. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Um, 
what happened to me was I was checking, you know, I was at the gate. It was time to board the plane southwest, and the internet went down. And my was on my phone along with a whole bunch of other people, and we couldn't access them. Oh, and so then they had to pull out a passenger roster. We had to pull out additional ID, and they had to double-check everything before we could board the plane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully that doesn't happen too often, but but it did happen. And I guess I'm trying to think through it. If my phone, if I had had that on my phone in Canton, and I and I was trying to get on the plane in Cleveland, I, I'm I, I'm sure they must they they would have had me in their system somewhere. So maybe by standing in line, they could have printed out something. So there must be some sort of backup. But it, I I just haven't I haven't pulled the trigger on doing that stuff yet. Yeah. That's why I like the hard copy. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks. Now, again, I, I'm thinking it's probably one. Now, look, I, I am old enough to remember, and, and this is there. There, as, as soon as they went with direct deposit. Now, see, when, when I first started working, you you didn't, you know, they didn't have direct deposit. I mean, I, I am unfortunately, I guess that all. I mean, you'd, you'd have somebody from payroll that would walk around every two weeks and physically give you your check. And now, now, of course, it's. It's direct deposit. I don't even think we have an option at this company. Now, I think you have to have direct deposit, and it's the greatest thing in the world. I knew people who fought direct deposit for years, and I kept saying, well, why? It's just the money's automatically in your account. So maybe once you start doing this, you, you get used to it, and it's just you never go back. James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you, sir. Hey, I just wanted to uh, call in and say I'm a, I'm a buck season ticket holder. I went to the Killers last night. And I think their electronic interface that, that the Bucks have, it, it's great. Uh, like you said, you can transfer tickets. Um, you can have them right on your phone if you're worried about having your signal loss or not being able to access it at the gate. Um, with the iPhone, I just add it to my Apple wallet, and it's just stored there. So it, it's extremely easy. I have never had a problem with it, and I actually prefer it with all the fraud out there with the paper tickets and people making copies. I mean, I, I think it's great. So um, I guess it is if I guess if you lose your phone or your your phone breaks, that's a problem. But that how often does that happen? I guess, huh? Right. That obviously that's the risk you run. The only thing that I would say there is I've dealt with the Bucks and their staff for quite some time, and they are always extremely helpful. So I have very little concern that if I was ever in a position where my phone was completely dead or I had lost or had been stolen from me that there wouldn't be someone that would be there to help me out and, and be able to get me in the arena in time for the game. Right. No, thanks. And I'm sure they, again, I'm sure these places, you know, deal with this from time to time. All right, here's a text. John from Racine says, I love stave, saving stubs from games and concerts. Can't do that anymore. Well, I, I guess, see, there are options um, that are there. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I'm, I'm a partial season ticket holder to the Brewers, right? Partial season ticket holder. And I just got the renewal option for next year and also for if you wanted to buy tickets to the playoffs this year. And, and of course, you know, we, we did. I talked to my best friend who I share the tickets with and, and we did. And they gave you two options. They, they gave you, they, they gave you the e-ticket option where again, it's on your phone. Or if you wanted the tickets themselves, they would send them to you. 
but there was like a $35 charge. And because I'm still not comfortable with the technology, I agreed to pay the extra $35. Bottom line is, this is, of course, the wave of the future. I didn't mean to single out necessarily Pfizer Forum. Like I say, I, I was looking in the secondary market for tickets at Lambeau Field, and it's the same sort of deal. There's, there's not the printed home tickets anymore. So I, I guess for those people who still have the flip phones, you, you just got to realize it's – it's 2018, and we all need to just kind of adapt to the technology. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Gru, you know what I'm doing tonight? I'm going to the Cubs game, Cubs-Brewers game. And I would tell you, last night's game, the Brewers this year haven't had that many kind of laughers. By that, I mean ones where you're, you're not kind of white-knuckling it in the eighth and ninth inning. Yesterday was was one of those games where... They they played well, and the Cubs just had one of those games. Cubs are a very good team. I, I mean, I, I acknowledge that. They're a very good, very talented team. But but everybody throws in clunkers, and last night was one of those clunkers. I was uh, listening to part of the game. I was watching some of it, and it just, you know, you're, you're going, okay, the Brewers are ahead 4-1, to one, then 5-1. to one, And you're thinking, gosh, I, okay. And then all of a sudden, it's 11-1. to one. So the, my experience has been at Miller Park with Cubs fans, and I, I have said this before, in general, individually, I think Cubs fans are are wonderful people. Collectively, you get a bunch of, of Cubs fans together, and I think they can be jerks. But my experience has been, the last couple times I've been, the Brewers, at least recently, started off the season, they couldn't beat the Cubs. Now, they're, they're doing a pretty good job of beating the Cubs. Um, the best way to keep Cubs fans in line is to get ahead and then stay ahead. So... We we will see. I'm trying to think if I should bring like my little pocket broom or something, you know, for for the sweep. Um, but that would be something special. But I'll we'll 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 see how the Cubs fans react, particularly if the Brewers can win tonight. They win tonight. They're within two games of the division lead. Now that I, I have to admit, I'm I'm a hardcore Brewers fan, but I was sitting there thinking, I'm not sure they're going to really have a chance to challenge for the division anymore. Let's get them into the wild card. But I don't know. They win tonight. They're down to two games. We will see. All right. One of the big issues in the upcoming upcoming gubernatorial race is is roads. I candidly don't think that there has been a governor who in my lifetime, this includes Tommy Thompson, who has been more friendly to the road construction industry than Scott Walker. In my opinion, Walker understands the fact that, you know, for for commerce to grow and for the state to grow economically, you, you need a good infrastructure. Now, despite that, you have some of these greedy unions, and yes, and greedy union bosses, who've decided that, you know, they, they can never get uh, enough. And that's why, you know, if you see these billboards around that say the Scott Holes thing, which is a takeoff on potholes, that, that's, that's a couple of these road builders unions who are unhappy that Walker has said, well, okay, we, we just, we're, we're not going to raise the gas tax 50 cents or a dollar. We're not going to give you everything you want, despite the fact that they've given the, the road builders union a ton of stuff over the course of the last eight years. We all want good roads. We all want roads to be repaired. 
And if you're somebody like me, you, you want to have roads extended across the state because, again, that's that's how you get people to jobs. It's how you get goods to the area. And that's why, I mean, you've seen what's happened in Milwaukee at the Marquette, at the um, Marquette Interchange and then also the Zoo Interchange, which was recently completed. You've got the road work, which is going on now between um, on I-94 between the Milwaukee County line and the state line, which is going to be expanding that to make it easier, particularly to get to all the development that's going on in Racine County and Kenosha County. But, but at the same time, there are limits to what you can do. I mean, there, there's, there is, and again, some of the road builders unions don't get this, but, but there still is a finite amount of money and you have to prioritize things. And let's also be honest. There are people out there who hate roads and who hate freeways. Um, I, you know, we, we talked about the former mayor of Milwaukee, John Norquist. He hated freeways. His idea was, and I've always believed this, was let's make it difficult for people to get into and out of a city. So his idea was then we'll, we'll, we'll keep them prisoner. They'll have to stay in the city. Now, I always thought that was short-sighted and, and wrong, but there's a lot of philosophy like that. We, we want to get people out of cars. We want to get people on trolleys. We don't want people to have the option of being able to easily get in their cars and get out of the city. We want them to live in the city and then not be able to get out. So here's the deal. Yesterday, you know, Governor Walker is doing an interview with some groups, and they, they raised the question of, okay, the highways. As we are repairing the highways, should we also be expanding them? Now, one of the big issues has been what do you do with the freeway between the Marquette Interchange downtown and the Zoo Interchange, all right, because – Candidly, it need, in my opinion, it needs to be expanded. It, it's too narrow. You've had more and more traffic has been using it, and, and you need you should have more lanes. That, that's just the reality. The problem, though, when you talk about adding more lanes is, first of all, that's going to add the cost as opposed to, like, resurfacing or repairing things. If you're going to add lanes, that's going to add cost. And then, for example, in Milwaukee County, when you start talking about doing that, then you get all the activists who go absolutely crazy over, well, if you're going to expand the freeway, that means you're going to be taking more private land. This is going to be awful. We don't want to do that. It's going to lead to congestion. It's going to lead to pollution, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, one of the things Walker says yesterday is we don't necessarily need to add lanes when we um, rebuild roads. He says there are some groups out there that want to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on more, bigger, wider interchanges across the state. And he's talking about the road builders unions who are never satisfied with enough public money. It's it's never going to be enough. What Walker says is, I actually think we should be fixing and maintaining our infrastructure. I don't know that we need bigger and better and broader right now when we have a changing transportation system. All right. Now, Obviously, the governor is talking in generalities, but I thought this was interesting, and I wanted to open up the phone lines and discuss it with you. All right. On the one hand, you can argue if you're doing a road project, it makes the most sense to do an expansion at the same time that you're doing you're you're fixing the existing road. 
I guess, I don't know, the argument would be, all right, if you're putting in, uh, if you're putting in, you know, new drywall in the basement and you've got old plumbing and you've got the walls opened up, maybe it makes more sense to fix the plumbing as well, even though that's going to add a cost. That's the one argument. On the other hand, you could say, well, the plumbing's lasted for 25 years. Maybe I can get another 20 years out of it. Let's just spend the money replacing the drywall. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The road builders don't want to hear this because they want a blank check. But the governor is saying, all right, maybe as a priority right now, given where we are with the cost of things, maybe instead of spending billions and billions and billions of dollars building bigger, wider interchanges, maybe we should just concentrate on maintaining and repairing what we have now. Is that an unreasonable position? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And we're talking about generalities because I think there's always going to be areas where you're going to say, no, 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 we it just doesn't make any sense not to expand. But as a general rule, and the road builders don't want to hear this, but as a general rule, is it unreasonable to say, Rather than expanding, maybe we should just maintain and repair. What do you think? We discuss next. I'll share my opinion as well. 143, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The games finally start to count. It's Packers versus Bears this Sunday to kick off the 2018 season. Gene Miller gets a preview of the game from head coach Mike McCarthy. That's at 6.25 a.m. tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Be sure to check that out. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, yesterday, and, and there's no question, one of the issues in the gubernatorial race is going to be the roads. You've got the road builders who have, I think, probably done better under Scott Walker than they have under any governor. Walker's been into expansion, but the road builders and the unions are greedy. The union bosses are greedy. They want more and more and more and more and more. And Walker is sitting there saying, I'm trying to balance out what's going on here. You want expansion. You want good roads. But at the same time, there's I don't want to go to the taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin and say, here, I'm going to have a massive increase in, for example, the gasoline tax. So he's saying maybe what we need to do as a general rule is we need to look at maintaining our current infrastructure, repairing the roads, as opposed to always saying, hey, every time we have a project, we have to add lanes and lanes. Is that automatically a bad thing? 414-799-1620, Jeff in Wind Lake. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my sure. call. My, my comment was that uh, I kind of agree with Governor Walker in, in some respects because, uh, you know, sometimes roads just need to be reconstructed. You know, it's not always... Uh, an issue of, of adding or expanding or widening, um, and then and then a lot of times I think you can even rectify a lot of the um, problems, right. maybe congestion problems, maybe traffic is queuing up certain times a day through other means than just by widening. Sometimes it's uh, limiting the number of intersections. Sometimes it's dedicated turn lanes where you're widening only in certain uh, areas of, of a you know stretch of reconstruction. So. So, yeah, and, and sometimes maybe it's just, you know, the road needs to be rebuilt, you know, maybe. Right. Yeah, see, I, I, Jeff, thanks for calling. See, I'm with you. My my response is I, I think what the governor is saying is is it makes sense, although I have an asterisk there. 
And, and it, as a general rule, I think you start with the idea that if we're looking at a road project, sorry, Mr. and Ms. Road Builders, we, you, you know, you're automatically not going to get the Cadillac of of money because the money just isn't there. We, we spend billions of dollars on roads right now, and and there there is a limit on that. Yes, we need. I think the priority needs to be, you know, repairing and maintaining. All right. Now, having said that, I, I think there's always going to be these cases where it just when you're doing the project, it makes sense to expand. To me, and I've argued this before, it given. That you've redone, for example, around here. Let's take this as an example. You've redone the Marquette Interchange. You've redone the Zoo Interchange. So now you have that that stretch between the Marquette and the Zoo that was built however many years ago and, and really isn't big enough right now to carry the the added traffic that you're going to have. So it's kind of like a, a, a bottleneck. It's kind of like well, you've got. I mean, imagine a sewer system. You've got a big pipe. Um, that, that comes down and then it narrows into a little pipe and then it goes back into a big pipe. Well, you're going to have a bottleneck. You're going to have a choke point. I, I think, for example, it makes sense to widen the freeway that in, in that stretch of the freeway that I'm talking about. Now, of course, the problem is you're going to get the Tom Barretts of the world and all the environmental people who are going to sue and it, it's going to tie the matter up in court. But to me, that's a project that makes sense. Um, the I-94 expansion, retrofitting, whatever, um, down to the state line. That makes sense to me, given what's going on with Foxconn. You're going to need more roads because of the development. But but those are maybe the exceptions to the rule. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Good, Mike, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I think we need more lanes. Governor Walker's got his head in the sand for some project. I don't understand that. Some of us just need to care, but you drive down to Illinois, uh, south of the border, they've expanded the lanes. It's a lot better. You drive from Madison and Milwaukee to Madison, it's bumper to bumper at 75 miles an hour. I, I think there's more people coming into the state, more population, more cars on the road, and we need another lane. That's when the people do not want to Well, I mean, right. Th- well, I, I mean, again, some projects, yes. And, and again, to me, the, the answer is it, it depends. I, I think it's it's tough to say as a general rule one way or the other what's what's best. You've got these powerful special interest groups like like the again the road builders lobby is a classic one. They don't want to be they, they don't want to be told no to anything. And, and you've got a transportation budget like I say of billions of dollars. Their nose is out of joint though because Governor Walker hasn't come out and supported massive tax increases to you know give them they, they've gotten the sun and the moon. And now they're unhappy because they've only gotten half of the stars. Well, okay, you know, Walker's trying to balance these different needs. And so you've got the road builders that are all upset about that. My comment again, Mike, would be it, it sort of depends. I start with the idea that, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, you, you want to take care of everything at, at once. And yes, if you're working on, you know, repairing roads and maintaining the roads, Maybe that's the time when you're doing the – it's clearly it's the time if you're pouring new concrete or whatever it is that you're doing or asphalt or whatever, it, it would be the time to add lanes. So I, I think there are some segments and there's some areas of the state where it makes sense to do that. Is that necessarily the thing that you're going to need to do everywhere? No. It's Again, it's just kind of a question of what the priorities are. Let's talk to Matt in Madison. Matt, you're a WTMJ. Hello. 
I agree that when we're doing these projects that we should do the expansion at the same time. But when anybody talks about fixing the infrastructure of the state of Wisconsin, they miss the big point. If you're going to afford to upgrade and fix the infrastructure in the state of Wisconsin, we need to do away with prevailing wage. Mm -hmm. A dump truck driver does not need to make an extra $10 an hour because he's working on a state project. If he can make it working off of a state project, he should be able to make it working on a state project. I don't understand the logic of that at all. Uh, Matt, the congregation says amen. <laughs> just, so, I, right. so why so why is why is Governor Walker shy away from that? I well, think he's been a pretty good governor, but I think he's soft on some issues, and that's one that he needs to take a stand on. Well, and I think you know you raise an interesting point now. In the the legislature over the last couple of years has really scaled back that idea of the prevailing wage. The fact that, and of course, what you're talking about is you know requirements that if you work on government projects, there is a certain wage that has to be paid versus if you work on on a, on a private contract. Um, let me just oversimplify it. You go out, I, I'm looking to replace the roof on my house, and I, I hire a worker to do that. If it's a government project, and I, I negotiate whatever the price is, they come in and they do it, you, you turn around, and if it's a government project, you hire the same roofer to do the work on the government building, and they have to be paid more money. Now, the legislature has scaled that back, and prevailing wage is something to bring this in. That That's – we get around to how I answer the gas tax thing all the time. I mean, obviously, you need good roads, and obviously, you have to pay for it. I am just not convinced, though, that we need right now to have increases in the taxes. I think that there is a lot of waste that goes on. I think there's a lot of feather bedding that goes on. And your issue on prevailing wage is a fair one as well. Again, in a perfect world, I get it. If you're going to be doing a repair project, that's the time to expand. At the same time, I do think you need to prioritize it. Let's figure out where that's going to be. And again, keep in mind, too, let's again take that stretch of freeway between the zoo and the the Marquette. If you... That will be tied up in court for five or six years. It, it will be. Because once you start to go ahead, then you're going to have all the lawsuits from the environmentalists. So part of the thing is, all right, do you want to get into that five or six year fight over that stretch? Or do we want to take that money and then use it to, I don't know, repair some other roads? It's complicated. I understand, though, what I think the governor is saying. And if he's saying, let's prioritize this with the top priority being for lots of the roads, Let's fix them. I, I think that's a good place to start. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two oh seven, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. My goodness, it is raining again and hard. I we, our our studios are in the inside and in middle of the building, so I don't I have all these computer screens and stuff, but I, I don't have access to windows. So during the news break I Walked out, was taking a look around. I'm looking out these things called windows, and it's dark and it's raining. And the sales guys are saying, "Now oh, you should have seen it a half hour ago. It was raining harder." And I'm kind of looking at the radar, and it looks like, you know, you've got a again heavy band, nothing severe, but a heavy band of rain moving through. And hopefully, once that gets out of here, things will finally start to simmer down. We do not, 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 not need any more rain anytime soon. Um, we've been in a, just an awful period for the last last couple weeks and uh, hopefully enough and hopefully your basement has stayed dry and no more problem all right a couple things i want to talk about during this hour of the program let's start off we're going to talk about brewery tours in just a little bit 
brewery tours. And what I'm going to lump in the category of the end of an era, is it greed or just, well, necessity? That's coming up in just a little bit. But I want to start off with the thing that is is captivating Washington, D.C. There, there is no question at all that the, the Trump administration, regardless of how you feel about President Trump, he operates on what I would call the chaos theory, the, the sort of Wreck-It Ralph approach, you know, the character out of the movie, where you, you, you kind of come in and you're just, you're, you know, you're, you're going to, I don't know, demean one of your coworkers to another one. You're going to make everybody uncomfortable. You're going to make everybody uneasy. You're going to make everybody feel that they might be losing their job at any second. Now, I will tell you, I'm, I don't respond well in that type of environment. I'm more of one of these, hey, let's all be supportive and things like that. That's not how Donald Trump operates. It's, it's never how Donald Trump's operated. He's just, he is a master of, of chaos. And he has brought that same strategy to the White House. Right? That, and, uh, you know, you, you can think, some people think he's grossly over his, he- his head. Other people would say, no, this is this kind of grand strategy, all that type of stuff. But there's been, a, of course, a series now of tell-all books during the first you know, year and a half of the Trump administration, almost all of which that do not paint a flattering portrait of the president. Uh, many of the books have been written by people that you go, oh, who is this person and no idea, or by people who are sort of crazy, like the, the Omarosa thing. She was, of course, the reality show villain that President Trump thought would be a good idea to hire her to put her in the White House. And, gee, surprise follows surprise. She, you know, breaks bad on him and writes her her own book, you know, where she's trying to settle scores. All right, so that's been going on. Next week, I believe Tuesday, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I read some of the excerpts. Bob Woodward, who is affiliated with the Washington Post, he was the Washington Post reporter who, together with his partner, Carl Bernstein, were responsible for really, I, I think, breaking the Watergate story. They were the ones featured in All the President's Men, the movie. Bob, Bob Woodward was played by uh, Robert Redford. Since then, Woodward has gone on to write a number of books. They wrote The Brethren. He wrote The Brethren, which is about the Supreme Court, The Final Days, which was about the end of the Nixon administration, four books about the Bush administration. And, you know, uh, President Bush and George W. ended up sitting down and doing several interviews with, with Woodward. He's written a number of other things as well. He, he's, he is, he's not an Omarosa. He is very, very well respected in, I think, just in, in general. So he's got this new book coming out. It's called Fear. And he, it, it is not a flattering portrait from the excerpts. You know, we, we shared some of them. You know, he, he quotes people as quoting, for example, the, the White House chief of staff is talking about how, you know, it's crazy town or around here. He talks about how President Trump would demean and disparage one person uh, that works for him uh, in front of another person. Talks about how some of the people who have very high profile jobs, what they try to do is they, they've even gone as far as to try to, you know, when, when President Trump orders something done in a fit of peak, they try to, you know, pull the documents away to kind of stop him from doing stuff that they think is going to be very, very bad for the country. Um, President Trump is extremely unhappy that this is coming out. Apparently, Bob Woodward made multiple requests to interview the president. He says they were never conveyed to him. 
you know, whether you believe that or not, I, I don't know. But he's, this is another example of what the president says. Well, I guess it's going to be another one of these, these hit pieces. All right. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my question. Do you have any interest in reading this book when it comes out? Is this, in your mind, and we, we all have an idea of what's going to be contained in here, is this just another one of these incessant hit jobs on, on President Trump? Who needs to see it? The liberal media out to get him. Is this, or alternatively, um, is it potentially possible that, all right, that this isn't a reality show villain like an Omarosa. This isn't some sort of two-bit writer who's got no sort of street cred at all. This is a guy like like Bob Woodward, who is generally pretty well-respected. Um, is, is this something you have an interest in, or is it just same old, same old? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. I, I will tell you this. I... I have not read the previous tell-alls. I, I just, I, I haven't. I've kind of rolled my eyes about this. But this is one, I, I actually pre-ordered it. I wish they would have sent us an advanced copy for review. I, I pre-ordered it. And this is one that I admit I am interested in seeing it because I think Woodward, based on his track record, tends to get it right. Um, or at least he tries to do a better job of getting it right than I think some people have. But let's tee this up. Are you interested in this at all? Why or why not? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell you what, let me let Gru line up the calls. We'll be back to talk about this in just a moment. I admit, this is, this is, generally I pass on these. This is one that I'm very, very interested to read. It's 214. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. How about you? 216. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I admit, I, I passed up. I have not read the Omarosa book. I haven't read a lot of the. I haven't read any of the the Trump tell-alls. I do want to read the Bob Woodward book because I, I think I respect Woodward based on his track record more than many of the other people. All right, here's a couple texts. A book by Woodward has so much more credibility than the rest of them. I eagerly await an accurate and as unbiased book as possible view of the White House. Um, Sam writes, uh, if it isn't a hit job, then what good, if any, comes of it? Dan says, I want to read the one he chose not to write, the Hillary whitewash, the unmasking and the Miller uh, Mueller inquisition. All right. 414-799-1620. Jeff, I'm not interested in reading this new book. I'm sure there have been other presidents that have been difficult to work with, and I'm sure Trump won't be the last. Let's just focus on the results of his policies and then write a book at the end of his second term. Okay. Let's talk to Judy on the West Side. Judy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I will not be buying the book. I will not be reading the book. Anyone who buys the book or purchases the book or reads it has too much time and too much money. It is one more book. How many times can you tell all without a redundancy? Well, I mean, I guess... How many times can you tell one more story because you are the insider? How many insiders are there? Well, I guess the question becomes, are some of the authors more credible than than others? I think they're all out there for the same thing. Which would be? Well, we are going to 
tell all like no other because I am an insider. How many insiders are there? And what does it matter at all? Our president has been under his attack since he has been elected, and so has his family been ridiculed, attacked like no other. Do we need more of this? Well, I guess, I mean, thanks, Nicole. I guess, I mean, here's, here, I guess here, here's the, the, the answer. Everybody has different sort of, of management styles. And if, if the truth, and again, you, you, you have to decide this for yourself, but if the, it's one thing to say you have a president who thrives on, on chaos. And I think that's a fair thing. Regardless of where you are in President Trump, I, I think it's fair to say his management style is one of, of chaos. We'll pit aides against each other. We'll, you know, favor some people and then behind their back we'll favor others. We will, kind of change our stories, we will be erratic. And and that's I, I think that's a fair description of that. It's one thing to be that. It's another thing to be, I don't know, unhinged. And I, I'm not I haven't read the book. I I don't know what the conclusions are going to be. But if you do have a, a president who's I don't know, just kind of you know bouncing around like that loose cannon, is it something that the American people deserve to know? Certainly in advance of the next election. Now, I understand that you've got to take this all with a grain of salt because authors go in. What are their primary motivations? What's the root of the test? Number one motivation from somebody who writes a book. What is the motivation? Dude, information. No, 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 no. Number one motivation from somebody who writes a book is to sell the book. <laughs> that, that, that's the The reason you write a book is you want to sell the book. All right. That's publishers don't give people advances for books that they don't think anybody is going to read. I mean, number one motivation of an author, whether you're a fiction writer, whether you're a nonfiction writer, is the number one motivation is I want people to buy this book. So obviously, if, if, if Bob Woodward had started out to write this book, which is called Fear, and everything was hunky dory, and everybody was sitting there telling him, oh, we think this is wonderful, and this is the most normal thing ever, and et cetera. Okay, well, that book was going absolutely nowhere. So, I mean, the number one motivation is to sell books. And you always, when you're reading these tell-alls, you have to take that with a grain of salt. When this Omarosa was doing her, her book tour and stuff, I mean, she's on every show possible trying to be as inflammatory as possible because she wants to create a buzz around her book. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that everything in it is is untrue. 414-799-1620. David in Alaska. Hi, David. You're on, Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, I'm not interested in reading the book either. You got, you got a guy, President Trump, he's one guy, he's trying to put Americans first, put America first, and he's also trying to drain the swamp. You know, so you've got everybody coming after him. He's making a tremendous amount of enemies everywhere. And no, he's not the perfect person. Nobody is the perfect person. You know, he's got a lot of baggage. But I think his heart is in the right place. And I give him credit for getting done what he's gotten done so far, and I support him. So I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a nickel on this book. If instead of trying to drain the swamp, if the people he surrounded himself with and I'm just I'm just throwing this out as as a hypothetical, I'm, if instead of trying to drain the, the swamp, if the people he has surrounded himself with, the, the Michael Cohen's of the world, for example, 
really are are filling the swamp. Is is that something that you know you might be interested in, or that people might be interested in? No, I don't think so. I think I think what he's he's a person that judges somebody during a personal interaction of however many meetings he has. He gets a feel for somebody, and unfortunately, a lot of people. You know, they, they will just play for the other team no matter, you know, what situation they find themselves in. I think Donald Trump is a someone that wants loyal people around him. He looks at their credentials. A lot of these people are very talented, very smart. They've done a lot of good work in the past. But, you know, perhaps their their morals are not in the right place. And, and, and you can't say the same for Donald Trump either. You know, obviously he's he's not a perfect guy. Yeah. But, you know, he's a billionaire. He didn't have to become the president. He did it because he loves his country and he wants to see us succeed. And, 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 and Jeff, you, 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 you should know, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats have been screwing up this country for a long time. We're not in, in debt just because of Obama or right. Bush. You know, this goes back, you know, decades. So we're fed up with it. We want to see somebody come in there and, and do some good. And I think that's what you're seeing in this country. Good enough. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, I, again, I, I don't want to turn this segment into a, a referendum on President Trump one way or, or the other. I'm just, I'm curious if there is an interest in, now obviously this is going to, this book, this book is going to open up as, as number one bestseller on the nonfiction list. There's no question about it. But I mean, do people want to hear what Bob Woodward has to say? Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Great segment. Hey, I, I, I give you a lot of credit. You described um, Trump perfectly, and you basically kind of advocated the same thing that's coming out of the book. You, we really, this man, I disagree with your last caller, I, this man did not become president because he wanted to help the country. Uh, Donald Trump is about Donald Trump, and uh, we've made mistakes before in presidents. Uh, he's about ready to give I, uh, I'm not a crook speech that we heard from that picture. We need to start validating all these claims, and you helped it with your description, and this book validates what you said, Jeff. Are, are you going to buy it? Are you going to read it? I, I don't really think, well, I'm going to be honest. Yes, I will if I have the opportunity. I'm not going to specifically go out and buy it, but if I have the opportunity, you bet I'll read it. Got it. No, thanks, God. I think, I mean, again, see, I, I am a, a student of history. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, at any given time, I, I, I've said this before, it's true. I, I read a lot because I think it keeps my mind active. Right now, I've got, and I always have like three books going. The ones I have going right now, I just finished that book that came out last, it came out last week, Baseball Cop. We talked about it. It was the guy who worked for Major League Baseball. Um, it's, it don't bother. I mean, it's got, it's got some very unflattering stuff about Ryan Braun, but other than that, it's, I don't bother. It's, it's not worth the effort. I'm reading, um, rereading, uh, uh, Raymond Chandler's uh, the the Big Sleep. I've got a couple of the, the old mystery books there from nineteen you know forty whatever, and um, I've got a book on President Roosevelt called nineteen forty the the presidential election nineteen forty. So I, I'm an eclectic reader, but I, I I always almost always have a biography or a history book going, and I'm I'm sure I'm going to pick. So I, I'm fascinated at people who get into the White House. And I'm fascinated about their management styles. And I'll tell you, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, to me, he's he's just a, a fascinating character. Um, I, I've never, 
putting aside the politics, and I've said this before, I, I didn't like Donald Trump when he was the, on The Apprentice or The Celebrity Apprentice. Apprentice. I, I didn't like his personality. I didn't like the management style. But but that, you know, to me that's, and it appears to me that he's kind of carried that over to the White House. So I'm going to be reading this because it just, it, it does sound to me like it's kind of a circus that's going on there. Does it mean he's not doing a good job? No, but I, I, I do, I admit I have an interest in this. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, we, we might disagree about you know whether people are going to buy the Woodward book on Trump or not. And that's, let me let me just offer something that we should all be able to agree on: the way Democrats have behaved during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings in the last day and a half has been a disgrace, an absolute and total disgrace. You know, yesterday. Now, look. I, you can agree about the Kavanaugh appointment or not. That that that's fine. I, I happen to believe that he is a mainstream conservative justice, and these efforts to try to portray him as something other than that, well, they're they're just hogwash. But but that's fine. But the idea, like yesterday at the hearings, you had these these disruptions, and apparently they, they were organized. You had a number of Democratic senators who apparently were considering a mass walkout kind of like the, the Democratic senators did in Wisconsin in their unsuccessful effort to, to stop Act 10. Apparently, Democrats were considering a mass walkout, but decided they weren't going to do that. Instead, what they were going to do is that they were going to encourage these organized disruptions, which ended up delaying the proceedings. Essentially, kids having a temper tantrum. Right? When Obamacare got passed, it, it had no Republican support. You didn't hear the Republicans screaming and disrupting things and bringing opponents of Obamacare into the assembly to into the house to try to like scream and shut stuff down but but that's of course the tactic now that you get from the resist movement you can go ahead and vote against Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court that's fine in my opinion though these juvenile tactics of trying to be disruptive of trying to cause trouble all that does is belittle the entire process and for the people who were involved in doing this yesterday and to a lesser extent today, shame on you. Just flat out shame on you. It is unworthy of the United States Senate. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, Drew, do you know what this, these are? 5 and 11, 3 and 13, 6 and 10, 5 and 11, and eight and eight. You know what that is? That is the Bears record, the Chicago Bears record over the last five years. One year, eight and eight, 500. Otherwise, five and 11, six and 10, three and 13, five and 11. How can we describe that? Well, I think it would be fair to say El Stinko. The National Football League is, of course, a football league where because of parity and because of the way things are organized, you, you know, you will have teams that will go from like last to first, unless you're the Bears, because the Bears just flat out suck, and they have sucked for years and years and years. Um, 2010, let's see, all right, 2012. Uh, let's let's go back further. Let me see. 2012, they were 10 and six, uh, didn't make the playoffs. 2011, eight and eight. 2010. Which was the Packers Super Bowl year. They were 11 and 5 and they lost to the Packers who went on to win the Super Bowl. 
And then the, la- the other years, they were 7-9. and nine. So, I mean, they, they, they haven't been very good. Now, why do I bring this up? Because the Packers opened the season um, against the Bears at Lambeau Field on Sunday night. You can hear the game here. All right. Now, you would think if you would have that kind of record of futility over the last few years, you might be a tad humble. Well, if the Packers needed bulle- uh, bulletin board material, here it is. Let's see. The, the Bears, of course, I mean, they, they brought in this Khalil Mack. They, they traded away a couple first-round draft picks, and I, I'm kind of surprised that they're going to play him, given that you know he hasn't had any football-related activity since February. But they said he, they're going to play him. So anyhow, uh, apparently on a conference call, they do an interview with uh, the Bears' defensive end, Akeem Hicks, who has been on the Bears' team over the last couple years where they have stunk. And so here's what Akeem Hicks has to say about the Packers games. The five guys that the Packers are going to be starting on their offensive line, they can't block Khalil Mack. They can't block him. You know, I really feel like this. They have to put their offensive line together, however they do it, and put their best product in the field, but their best product can't block Khalil Mack. Um, then he singles out Brian Belaga, who is the Packers' right tackle, who's coming back from an injury. He says, well, I think it affects a guy when they come back from an injury, especially older guys like Belaga. Uh, but I don't think he had a chance to block Khalil Mack in the first place. Huh. Okay. Well, if I'm the Packers' off, if I'm Mike McCarthy and I'm the offensive line coach and I'm the offensive coordinator, Joe Philbin, I'm putting that up there and saying, hey, this guy who's been on these really atrocious teams he doesn't think that you can stop us. Huh. I guess time will tell. We'll get the chance. That's a great thing. You can talk, you can throw shade, and you can talk smack, and then they play the game, and you can kind of figure it out. If I were the Chicago Bears player, anybody who's been on that Bears team, though, maybe you feel good about the year and stuff, but given how bad you have been for as long as you've been bad, maybe before you start lipping off, you should wait till you have accomplished something. All right. Let us switch gears. Uh, the drinking age, when I turned 18, was in fact 18. And back then, if you grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and let me see a show of hands, you, you could perhaps remember this. Back then, there were three major breweries that operated in the city, Schlitz, Pabst, and Miller. All three of those breweries gave tours. And I do admit that... Um, I, I had spent at least a couple misbegotten days in various summers when, especially the, the summer like after high school, you know, when we were all 18, it's not underage drinking, and then in college where myself and a couple of my buddies would get together and we would take a day and we would go to all the tours. You'd start off at Schlitz. And then, of course, so you take the Schlitz tour, you end up at the Brown Bottle where they gave you free beer. Then you'd head on down to Pabst. I always loved, but Pabst Tour of the Three was always my favorite. And then you'd end up in the special room they have at Pabst, and um, you'd drink free beer. And then you'd go over to Miller, and you'd take the Miller Tour, and you'd go to the Miller Caves, and you end up drinking free beer. And it was it was a, a great way to spend a day if you were a college kid. It, it just was. Well, Schlitz is gone. I mean, I know that they don't make Schlitz where they used to make Schlitz anymore. Pabst, as, as we knew it back then, is gone. And, and you've got Miller is the one, what I want to say, macro brewery, the one you know major brewery that's left. Now, over the years, those breweries 
have been replaced by the, the whole microbrewery craze. And, and you have a number of great microbreweries, um, or maybe not even, it's not even fair to call them microbreweries anymore, that are around that give tours. For example, Lakefront Brewery. Lakefront does a great tour. Highly recommend it, and I'm a big fan of Lakefront products. You've got Third Space Brewing on St. Paul. You know, they do a tour. You know, we've been there um, as well. We've had a lot of fun. But but here's the deal. Uh, Milwaukee Brewing, I mean, they do a tour. And what happens at, at these, these, what I'm going to call smaller breweries, the way it works is you go there, you have to pay to take the tour. It depends on whether it's a weekday or a weekend, but it's generally somewhere around $10, ballpark. And you get three or four, like, samples of beer. You typically get a pint glass. You typically get a chip that you can then go to use to redeem for a beer at some participating area bar, that type of stuff. But you have to pay to go to those breweries. You've never had to pay before to go to, in this case, Miller. Miller has never charged until now. Um, This week... Miller, which always had the tours for free, has begun charging. If you want to take the Milwaukee tour, it's 10 bucks for the brewery tour. Wisconsin residents with a state-issued ID get in for $5. And so, so they're now charging for the first time. Um, if you're under 20, which means you're not able to legally drink, so you're not going to get any free beer, you, you, you can get in for free. And so what they're doing, in addition to charging, it's going to be the same tour as always, but they are going to give you a souvenir pint glass, and they are going to give you some um, access to some of their specialty beer offerings. But this is the first time that they have started charging in an effort, well, I, I don't know whether it's to compete with or a recognition that maybe, given the fact that yeah, some of their beers are struggling and that they're laying off all sorts of people. Maybe the fact is that they have to charge for their tours. Right? 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You, I mean, perhaps remember the days I'm talking about where you had Miller, you had Schlitz, you had Pabst, and, and everything was free. The tendency now is, especially with these smaller breweries, to to charge, and they make an experience and, you know, you can stay there for an hour, hour and a half. I mean, it is more of an experience. Miller has always been free. Now they are charging. Does this make you less likely to go on a Miller tour? 414-799-1620. Is this a marketing mistake? Penny wise, pound foolish. Will people say, oh, it's 10 bucks, 5 bucks if you've got a state-issued ID, no problem, you know, who cares? Or is this the end of a tradition? Will Miller come to regret charging for its tours? I have a theory, but I'm curious as to what you think. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. It is clearly the end of an era, but will it be a marketing mistake? We'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I think this is going to bite Miller. I, I think they're going to come back to regret this for as long as I can remember, which is a long time. The It has been free to tour the Miller Brewery. They have the tour. You get a couple beers at the end. They've got a gift shop. Maybe you buy something. 
that decades, decades, decades and decades and decades of free tours that ended this week, they are now charging you to take a tour. If you've got a state issued ID, it's five bucks. Okay, that's not the we're, that's not the most. Um, if, otherwise, it's ten bucks. You get a couple access to a couple more specialty beers, and you get a glass. Now, I, I acknowledge that a lot of the the smaller breweries around town, Milwaukee Brewing and Third Space Brewing and Lakefront Brewing, they they charge as well for their tours. So Miller is now following suit. But th- those tours are kind of a different experience, and, and they do feature, I think, more access to beer than what Miller is offering. But, okay, will this hurt Miller? My take is I, I think yes. Jeff in Caledonia. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. How are I, you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? I think it's a mistake. You know, there's no reason for them to be charging. It's not like this multi-million-dollar corporation is losing money, and, uh, you know, the extra $5,000 that they're going to make will make a difference. Well, that's it. I guess I kind of wonder, given that it has been free for so long, how much how much money does it cost to put on the tours, and and how much do they really think they're going to gain by charging somebody five or ten bucks? Yeah, and I've, I've lived in the Milwaukee area for fifty years. I've never been on a Miller tour, but someday it's one of those things bucket list. Well, now it's probably off the bucket list. I'm not going to drop forty bucks to go there. With my family. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, thank you. See, you know, you, you, thanks for you do raise an interesting point there because I guess it's, it's not just, I mean, it's five bucks a piece, but you're talking, yeah, if you take, you know, you and your spouse and your, you know, brother and sister or whatever, or your brother in law and your sister, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, 20 bucks. Now, again, you, you can drop that quickly. And, and I'm not, I'm not arguing value. I'm just saying this is the end of, of a tradition. Clearly, you know, some bean counter at Miller said, well, well, look, we're losing money putting on these tours, so let's decide to charge for it. And I guess the question's going to become, will that bite them in the butt? Let's see. Our text line is exploding. Um, Courtney writes, I've been to the Point Brewery here in Stevens Point twice, and I've had to pay a small fee both times. It never occurred to me that it should be free. I would never expect a tour of samples and a pint glass without any out-of-pocket expense. Well, um, I, I mean... That's what the major breweries around here did for years and years. Okay, here's another text. Not a marketing mistake, in my opinion. Consumer products is a tough industry, no matter what you sell. I like that they incorporated a gift. I would pay, and I think it's a smart thing to do. The price they are charging, um, they do employ tour guides. Okay, another text. It will make me less likely to go to Miller, especially when there are just better tasting craft beers from the local Milwaukee craft breweries. Right, see, that's always been one of the... That's always been one of the things that's out there. The the idea that, well, if I mean it's it's kind of tough to describe. But if you go on the Lakefront tour, if you go on the Third Space tour, if you go on the Milwaukee Brewing tour, it's a little bit of a different experience than say going on the the Miller tour. And there, there's more opportunities to hang around and drink beer afterwards, which is either good or bad. But it's it's why. It's why I think a lot of younger people have, like to go like on some of the other brewery tours. Cheap Mo- Here's a text from Ron. Cheap Milwaukee will probably stay away. Cub fans, though, will pay for it. Um, okay, well, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Let's see a text. It will make me less likely to go to Miller. Another text are... Um, Let's see, I have friends that went through it a couple weeks ago and loved it. We were planning on going, but I live an hour away. If I have to pay in and get to drive an hour and then they're going to charge me, I'm probably not going to go. 
again, clearly what they're planning to do here is I, I think they're figuring, okay, why do we give this away for free? Just because we've always given it away for free for 30 or 40 or 50 years doesn't mean we need to continue doing it. Um, again, I just think I think it's going to be a surprise. Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, I don't think it will come back to bite him in the backside, um, just because for all the reasons you got the pine glass to get more of an experience with it. And like you said in one of your previous uh, you know, topics, it's 2018. Get with the times. So mm-hmm. you know you got to charge for. Why do you something. think they're doing? Why do you think they're doing it? Uh, like you said, some bean counter probably said, "Hey, we're losing money on this, so we got to make up for it somehow." So yeah, no, know. I think. I mean, I mean, I think that's again. It, it it's. I'm always thanks for call, Jason. I always remember the Milwaukee traditions, and and that was. Free brewery tours were always a, a tradition at the big, at the big commercial breweries. It was always kind of the tradition. And maybe this is just the end of an era. Boston store closed last week. Who thought Boston store was ever going to disappear? All that type of stuff. But it, it does, it does seem to me kind of the end of the era. I will, I do wonder, it would be interesting to see, and you'll never find it out from Miller, but you do kind of wonder, all right, what, what were the tours what were the tours costing them? And yeah, there, I mean, yes, there, there's a cost. And the, I mean, the, the beer samples they give away, it's probably negligible. Uh, they employ tour, tour guides and things like that. But I, I always figured that the cost of that was probably covered by what people would buy in the gift shop afterwards. Cause you, after these tours, you go into the gift shop and you got people that are buying stuff right and left that they probably otherwise wouldn't be buying. I, I see, see, sometimes I think businesses are, again, to use the cliche, I think they are, you know, penny wise, and they are pound foolish. This, I don't think, could have cost Miller. By running the free tours, I don't think it could have cost them that much. And by charging for the tours, I think it is going to hurt attendance, number one. And I think it's also, I, I it, it just, it doesn't strike me it's going to generate a lot of money. I mean, I, I can't imagine that, that you know, Miller Coors, that, <laughs> The fact that we're we're now charging people five or ten bucks to go on the tour, this is going to make a huge impact on our our bottom line. I again, they get a right to do it, and and people get a right to decide whether they want to go or not. But I do wonder if your choice is, hey, it's not free anymore. Do we want to go to Lakefront? Do we want to go to Third Space? Do we want to go to you know Milwaukee Brewing and, and pay essentially the same, or do we want to go to Miller because now Miller charges? I bet you, I think it's going to have an impact. Time will tell. It is 2.54 when we come back. John McCure, Melissa Barkley, we'll find out what they have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.